Hello and welcome back to Talking Absolute Worship. And uh, I'm delighted to welcome again Robert and Rachel and Henriette, um, fine minds, fine theologians, people who are razor sharp and ready to go, like coiled springs. And we are going to dive into the fourth Sunday of Lent. And so as we do, Robert, would you like to lead us in with what you might be doing with some of these texts? Yeah, so we've got um, the passages from Joshua, the Psalm, Second uh, Corinthians, and then, of course, we come to the parable of the prodigal son. Um, and I thought, I always struggle when I come to these readings, which are so well known, and think, well, shall I just not do it? Shall I avoid it? Or shall I accept that if it's read, everybody's going to be thinking about it, so I might as well have a go. Um, and there is a perverse thing in my nature. It's a bit like with the um, lectionary. I, I, I stick to the lectionary because I think if there's something that comes along that I find difficult, um, I shouldn't shy away from it. And I suppose I feel a bit like that with this reading. So that's where my focus is. Uh, and so I read the passage. I, I always start with this by remembering two things. And that is one that somebody, some lecturer at college or some preacher at one stage talked about the fact that we title the passages in the Bible. And of course, the titles weren't there originally. And when we title them, we frame the understanding. So it's the parable of the prodigal son. And then you close off any thought of um, this person said it could be the happy father, you know, uh, and so on. Um, and so that's the first thing. And then the other thing that I'm always reminded of when we come to these passages of um, uh, the Reverend Chris Bailey, who's minister at Bridgewater uh, at Spring School a few years ago, used this passage to talk about the environment. And he said, uh, the farm was the world. Um, our inheritance was um, the, the resources of the world. And we were the prodigals. And the, the logic of that was the, the farm is there. And when you take away the inheritance, you can't put it back. It doesn't work like that. And that's how we were with the world. And that, that really affected me and I think is a really rich way you could go with this reading that we're, we're the prodigal, how are we? And we, we've frittered away all that um, creation, creation that God has given to us. However, when I looked at this reading, as I said, because this is where I'm going to focus this, this time, I, I began to think about those preachers who will read a passage like this and say, well, of course, we always see ourselves as the. Um, and, and then I thought, well, actually, who am I in this story? Am I the prodigal who's gone off and wasted my life and then wants to find my, my way back? Am I the father? And, and if it was mother's mothering Sunday, I did wonder if we could change it to the mother. Uh, to whom the, the, the child comes back to? Or am I the, the sibling who's worked away and is resentful 
about um, the, this one or these ones who've gone off and wasted their life. And I thought, I thought I'm all of them at different stages at, at different times. And I think the danger is that we think of ourselves as one. So, yeah, I, I am the prodigal. I do go off and or have gone off and made all sorts of mistakes in life. And I can think of situations where people have forgiven me or let me off things that I've done that I'd be ashamed of. And the incredible sense of uh, relief when that happens, you know, back to my dad when I'd done something terrible and I thought I was going to get smacked and instead I just was sat down and had a quiet word, that sense of, no, not relief, of um, safety and of my mum, I was quite a naughty child, who um, would always say, well, that's okay, Robert, we'll just think about, you know, and that sense of warmth and welcome and safety, which I have to say I've sort of transposed onto my understanding of how God welcomes us back. And then I've been the the grumpy brother who thinks, well, I've put me hours in and worked and there's all these people who go off and mess around and then they think they should get um, pensions or whatever. Um, and so I think there's a lot for me to see myself in all of these characters. So I would want to think of some way of trying to get the congregation to put themselves not just into one of them, but into all of those different people. Um, and I've and I read around and there seem to be people who want to imply that the prodigal didn't really regret what he'd done, but he was a really manipulative so-and-so and was just coming back home because there was nothing else for him. But then when I read it, it says, um, where is it? Uh, when he came to himself. And I think there's really something in that phrase, when he came to his senses, he came to himself and he realised, and he realised where he should be, where, you know, what, what, what he'd done, what mistakes he was made. And I think, you know, Chris was saying, in a sense, that we're coming to our senses about the environment. Mm. But that was very much... Um, as I say, I thought I could avoid it, but no. I mean, also because there's so much in there, but that then the, this whole idea of who are we in this story? And we might let ourselves off by saying, oh, the happy father, because, oh, we'll welcome them back and everything will be lovely again. But no, 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 we have been that, but, but we might have been the other characters. And so it would be really good to think through how, how we would have responded in those situations. So, yeah, that was very much where I was, um, my thoughts were guided. Mm. Wow, okay. Straight in there. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Robert. Very thought-provoking. Henriette? I love that idea of being able to find yourself in all three of the characters. Mm. Um, and, you know, my immediate thought is, well, where's the mum in all of this, you know? Um, so which would be perhaps a good thing on Mothering Sunday to bring her into the picture as well. 
But I love that idea, yes. I, I had a Bible study in a previous pastorate about this passage. And, um, and people were very convinced who they were. And to my great um, astonishment, they all saw themselves as the elder brother. They had stayed at home all their life and done the right thing. And they said, no, there is nothing wrong with the older brother. That is who we are. <laughs> and I, that, that completely um, surprised me. I did not see that coming five miles off. Mm. So it was a very uh, tense Bible study because I, I, I had no idea. I had not prepared for that answer <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and it was like searching. Okay, so how do you come to that understanding? And um they did not recognize themselves at all in the younger brother or the father. It was the elder brother, and he was actually completely in his right of what he was doing in the story. So that idea of exploring, actually, is it possible to even see ourselves in the other two characters, whichever character we choose, is, is a very interesting one for me, mm. uh, Robert. Thank you for that. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a it, it, it puts me in mind of um, there's a wonderful artist called Charlie Mackesy that you may have come across. He, he's he's become he's fairly he's getting on in years now. Lives in Suffolk, and um, he's kind of later in his career. He's become almost globally famous because he he's the artist who created that amazing book. Um, I always get the order wrong, but it's the the boy. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, or the horse, the fox, the boy, and the mole, or anyway, that that I mean, it's just a stunning book, and I am I'm just struck at how often, as I'm just out and about visiting and in places, I see that book. It's a glorious book. But a while back, um, Charlie Mackesy um, painted um, some wonderful paintings of this of the story of the prodigal son, um, and he sort of paints. You know, the son being enveloped by the arms of the father and then he's written the text kind of around the picture but then what he did was he did a whole series of the prodigal daughter and he just changes son to daughter and does the whole thing again and it's just you know it as, as you were saying Robert it's just that interesting thing of putting ourselves into into the story and maybe one of the things that we also just have to recognize is how often in the stories that we get in scripture, they're written from the perspective of, of men and sons. And, and we don't get so much in the way of the stories of, of women and daughters. And Charlie was responding to that with this story saying, actually, I think there are as many prodigal daughters around as there are prodigal sons around. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, just uh, again, uh, and also sort of picking up on Hen Henriette's point, I, I remember someone once saying, actually, part of the danger, as you've highlighted, Robert, is, is that we give these stories titles. And as soon as we give them titles, we kind of trap them into being about that title. Mm. So I remember someone who said, actually, this is the story of two lost sons. Mm because the elder brother is every bit as lost as the prodigal. It's just that he stayed at home being grumpy and arrogant and cruel. Uh, 
which thinking of your experience, Henriette, in the Bible study, it's just kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, the older, because I mean, the father has to go and work just as hard, if not harder, with the older son as with the younger son. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty rich parable, isn't it? I suspect we may not have finished talking about this parable this morning. Yeah, Robert. Well, it's, it, it's just the, the, the whole thing about uh, the framing it as the prodigal son. It, it, it's, it's always seemed to me that, that actually what he does is what a lot of people, it's part of normal development that you go, my mum my had this term, that you go, you go out and make your way in the world. That's your job as, uh, as, as growing up to be an adult. And if you don't go out, sort of how do you make your, that's part of what it is. And so uh, it seems to me, and part of normal human, well, my experience of it is, is that you do throw off a lot of the values that your parents um, instilled in you, or you think you are, and then you get to a stage in life where you think, hang on a minute, the, the, there's a lot about what, or you don't even necessarily consciously believe it, but you find later on in your life that that's what you've done. So it seems to me that framing it as this terrible son who goes off is 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 the wrong way of looking at it altogether. It's it's more um, uh, sort of um, what, what am I trying to say? It, it, it's it's a lesson in human development, and 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 as you say, so the the loyal son who stays at home isn't isn't loyal in a sense. You could argue that his development has been uh, stunted because he's stayed at home, and it, that's why he's become more and more grumpy and um, uh, disillusioned. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an awful lot going on, isn't there? There's an awful lot going on. We haven't looked at the other readings yet. No, don't worry. Well, yeah. we've, got, we've got, you know, Rachel and Henrietta uh, uh, <laughs> teeing up, I can tell, even now. So let's move on and see, Rachel, where, where would you head? Well, when I looked at... Um, all the readings, leaving aside the psalm, because uh, I'm not really going to think about the psalm, um, but looking at um, Joshua and uh, 2 Corinthians, as well as the prodigal son, the, the thing that struck me was that they're all about um, in-between places. Oh. And uh, in Joshua, um, the people are just about to um, face a new chapter in life. They've, they've crossed into the land of promise um and to kind of orient themselves i suppose they um they 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 remember the passover they celebrate the passover which is remembering sort of their past and where they've come from um and they kind of they go into praise as they welcome this new thing um and who knows what what it will be at that point um so I felt that they're just sort of there in that middle space between something that, you know, was quite defined and something that will be, and they don't really know what, what, what it will be yet. Um, and I also felt that there was some of that in the Corinthians reading, um, in that the cross opens up a new way of knowing, a new way of being, a new way of uh, loving, a new way of seeing the world um, and that uh, there's a challenge to be um, part of that ministry of reconciliation. And what is that if that's not kind of 
sort of spanning a you know a, a gap between <laughs> um so I was sort of thinking quite a bit about in between places and then when I got to the Luke reading um and it was funny because one of the resources I looked at said you might want to ignore this reading as it's so familiar but they said but don't do that because even just telling the story again is a retelling of the gospel mm. um mm. so I thought well there was some value value in that um but but again you've where the reading ends is actually a very in-between place. You kind of think the sun has come home, but you don't, you've uh, no idea what happens next. You've no idea what a new life at home is. You know, I remember returning home um, in my twenties to live with my mum for a couple of years. Um, and we had to quite clearly sort of define um, our relationship and I wasn't gonna be the child come home. Um, and, and you know so so what's what's life going to be like for him and we don't know whether the elder son ever comes into the party we don't know that he doesn't but we don't know that he does either um you know where does that leave him and where does that leave the father really who's kind of torn with his love for both sons um and feeling that he's somehow stuck in the middle um mm. so I just felt that there was kind of a lot to explore maybe about being um in between people Mm. um so that's that was sort of where I was going but then I read something um that also struck me and I didn't know whether I whether there's a way to use that but it talked about the parable being one of recognition and non-recognition um and you've got um the younger son who eventually recognizes uh the reality of his situation um in verse 17 when he comes to himself and he recognizes a possible solution um and then he is recognized by his father um and whereas the son's recognition comes from a sort of reality about his situation the father's recognition comes from a different place it just comes from that place of joy at seeing this mm -hmm. child again um and then the older son's hurt by the lack of recognition because he feels that he's been there all along but unseen um and the father recognizes the needs of both of the children and reaches out to them in different ways um so i didn't know whether i might go along the recognition kind of line and, and thinking about um sometimes we recognize our faults and failings but sometimes we don't um and it's maybe an invitation to recognize God's love for us and to um, accept that it is for us. Um, God reaches out to us all, whether we're, you know, like the older son or the younger son. But but I don't know, I'm stuck with, I feel really kind of um, drawn into the idea of being in that in-between. And, mm -hmm. and Lent, Lent is very in-between, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm probably going to do something a bit more around there, but mm. that's sort of where I am at the minute. That's fantastic. That that sense of in-betweenness. Yeah. I think, is that what some people talk about when they talk about liminality? Mm. Yeah. That we're kind of on the edge of things and there's, you know, it's not quite one thing and it's not yet. Yeah. yeah. And and you're right. Uh, that that amazing sense in which actually so much of what happens next is left uncertain both as the people are there entering the promised land and indeed as 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 the two sons and the father kind of have to renegotiate who they are and and how they feel robert 
Uh, no, I was just thinking I, I, I love that idea of in between this um, in that the that and, and when they're in, in between, they have to make a decision, don't they? But you can't stay in, well, you can stay in between, but it's a very unhealthy place to stay. So they had to make the decision to go into the promised land and the prodigal, we saw the decision he made because it was the, the decision to come home. So we see sort of his situation resolved, but the other son is left. And I love what you said about that, that this story doesn't end. And be, that, that's the danger, isn't it? That we say, and they all lived happily ever after. Yeah. And we don't know. So um, I, I think there's a lot about the other son. We don't know what his response was and we don't know the results. I think that's... Uh, I think that's, re there's a, that's really rich. And in a, in a sense... Um, it takes me back to, I was only, funnily enough, I was on a church walk yesterday and somebody said to me, did you ever have an epiphany moment? Because I'd said about being away from church and I was trying to explain what it was. And, and, and that was for me when I didn't have faith or I thought I didn't have faith. I was in that in-between stage and the difficulty of making the decision to step out of that in between it's it's hard it's not you don't just go oh let's go into kind it's really you know it's or, or let's go home what's going to happen it's um yeah there's a lot lot in that i like that mm. yeah absolutely no it's that's that's <laughs> a really and and you know it's a powerful theme that connects across across some of these texts in in a in a really interesting way yeah mm. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Well, Henriette, let's see where you might go with these readings. Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Just a second. <laughs> okay, so you're going to be you're going to be doing something with the dogs. <laughs> that was the postman who just arrived. I saw him coming, and I thought, oh yeah. Um, I love that idea of um, what Rachel says about um, recognition and stuff because of that. Well, I love I loved the whole richness of it um, because I've been thinking a little bit, you know, and, and it is because of something that I was watching on, um, on the BBC, one of these Candy Noir um, series. And it is about the attention and the focus that goes to the one that is missing isn't it and the ones that are staying behind just don't get focused on don't get the attention because everything in our being goes to that which is either not right or is missing and um and i know that it creates in families a, a, an imbalance if you like you know i am i'm the only one in my family who moved overseas so I know that for a period, you know, much of the focus was always on me. How is Henriette doing in the UK? You know, every birthday of my parents, you know, where my sisters and my brother was. The only thing that was talked about was how is Henriette doing in the UK? So there is that real tension in a family. Why do I not get recognized whilst I'm here? Because everything goes to the one that isn't here. So... I did find that a really interesting angle, but I also did think about 
like everyone else, how can I make this parable more um, easy to engage with for people? Because I did the same as Robert was saying, you know, I have the tendency to think, oh, let's not look at this because, ugh, you know, but this is why I do stick to the lectionary because I think those challenges are not just set for the congregation. They are also set for us, right? And, um, and I was also struck about the idea of reconciliation, which of course comes up in, um, in the Corinthian reading as well, and about forgiveness and about the question, how complete do we actually believe that it is? Because we know that forgiveness and reconciliation with God is complete. But so often in a church, when someone has had a checkered life, then that is one of the things that always keeps coming up. Oh, you know, they used to be a really big sinner with doing whatever, you know. And so it's so good that they're now in the church. (laughs) (laughs) I know about this because I had a checkered life. So, you know, I know how it feels to be a prodigal daughter. And, um, And it just makes me think, you know, do we actually believe we are reconciled to Christ and therefore there is now a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, you know. So yeah. I thought it would be useful to maybe think a little bit about that, but also about the fact that the psalm seems to suggest that there is a real um, value in actually speaking out what was wrong and speaking out what we are confessing and what we are repenting of. And of course, that was what the son did as well. And that's why I I don't really believe that the son was a manipulator Um, because he really did say to his dad what was wrong, you know? I have sinned against you and I'm not worth to be called your child anymore, right? I, I think if you're manipulating, that's probably not the kind of language that you use um so you know part of me was thinking i wonder if you could write this whole sermon and this even the reading perhaps just write it in a way of storytelling where you you know i have never done that and this would be the first time that i would do that but it would be a little bit scary to do it and to try it out on a sunday like this But sometimes I do think perhaps that would be a way forward so that people are really drawn into the story and only halfway through realize, oh, actually, she's not talking about her own life. She is talking about the Bible reading of the of the two sons, you know. Mm. Um, Or I was also thinking with with making it more and more easy to engage for people. I was thinking, what would you use? in today's world so my thoughts went towards the queen and prince andrew but then i thought now that's just all too sticky to actually even get into so i thought let's move down one generation imagine that harry that we would see on the news harry coming down from a plane on the steps and prince charles being there on the tarmac And instead of just nicely waiting, we would see Prince Charles just running off and actually throwing his arms around 
Prince Harry and say, oh, you know, for the whole press to hear and the whole world to hear, I am so happy to finally see you. Because, I mean, let's face it, there are some tendencies, however we may or may not think that that is applicable. But but just to help people think, oh, yeah, that's maybe how it could look. Mm. You know, and then go from there. So, yeah, so I, I'm still very stuck with these readings, but um, exploring. <laughs> oh, no, that's very rich. Um, I mean, not least, I think, I think, I think, I think that's think, a really sorry. powerful. Sorry. No, no, sorry. Carry on. Well, I just think, I think you're onto something really powerful there, too. I mean, I think we're all recognizing that, especially, you know, I mean, the prodigal son is maybe the parable. I mean, along with the Good Samaritan, it's maybe the parable of parables. And mm. um, and I love your thought that, you know, what would it be to actually write something creatively that kind of brings brings it alive in a fresh way? That That's an interesting thought. And, and actually, yeah, just your, uh, you know, just playing with that whole Prince Harry, Prince Charles thing is, is fascinating because, yeah, I mean, you know, that, there are all sorts of resonances in in there that that would that would touch people. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really interesting. Go for it, Henriette. Yeah, and I think that, you know, whereas we are we are aware that the Bible is written very much in a in a male perspective, uh, but in this parable, I'm actually grateful for the fact that it is the father, because of course we know that. It, it was, an, um, how do you call that? It was unheard of for the father yeah. to run towards, whereas if it would have been the mother, then people would have said, oh yeah, of course, you know, of course she would be that emotional. She's the mother. <laughs> you know? So mm. I'm actually grateful that it is the father. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's, that's another part of it, isn't it? The, the power of how Jesus is letting this father overturn all the conventions of, yes. of, of how he should behave. I mean, another thing that's striking me is, as, as, as you talk about it is um, there's something very powerful, perhaps, about the fact that, you know, the, the son, the younger son has prepared his speech, but is, he never gets to use it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that, that made me perhaps see some connections, not least with the two Corinthians, that, um, that forgiveness is and, and reconciliation between us and God is not something that we, we control. It's, it's not something that we can manipulate. It's, it's not something that we can turn on and off. It's not something, you know, it's not to do with us. It's, it's to do with grace and mercy. And so, just as the, the 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 father's, you know, I mean, you can kind of picture the scene, can't you? The son is just about to launch into this beautifully prepared speech, which actually is a speech about saying, I, I want to come back, but I know I can't come back as your son. I, I know I've what I've lost is irrevocably lost. I can't, it can never be mine again. Um, and it, as he's, you know, on his way to opening his mouth, the next thing he knows, he's got his his father is kissing him, and mm. and his arms around him, and he's he can't even say anything, and mm. and then I'm I'm struck at the father 
kind of twice saying this son was dead and now he's alive. I mean, that's how far away we were, you know, in, in your Prince Charles, Prince Harry thing. It's as if they have died to each other. And, and then Paul in 2 Corinthians with that sense of, yeah, there is a new creation. And, and we, it's not what we, it's the last thing we can control. It's just a gift. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think as one of you said, maybe, maybe one of the things about, say, the story of the prodigal son is, even if you're not going to preach on it, just to have it read in itself does, I mean, it can do an awful lot of the work for us, maybe. Mm -hmm. Although, of course, that might be a cop-out as well as a preacher. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, Phil would probably be annoyed if, if actually he discovers that what we've been doing at this particular edition of Tor is saying, you don't need to say anything. Just, just read the story of the prodigal son and just say, and sit down. <laughs> and then, you know, wait for 10, 20 however long you normally preach and then stand up and say and now the rest of the service robert i was just something you just said and i've forgotten quite what you said it, <laughs> not it, unusual it was about control and, and and it made me think that one way um i wondered about going with it is that we, we uh, the church uh, the older brother um and those who've abandoned church are the prodigals and we want to control on what terms they're allowed back, um, oh, you know, that, that, that's just yeah, that. yeah, yeah. No, I th absolutely, and I guess that's where it can bite, isn't it? Mm. Because um, and, and and it's interesting, isn't it, that because you you kind of imagine everyone is listening to this story as Jesus tells it, and and um, they're kind of already blown away by you know, well, this younger son deserves all he gets because he is what 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 he has done is unforgivable flipping heck now this father is just acting in a very i mean that's just outrageous and stupid and foolish and who's going to do that oh goodness me he's talking about god oh and then there's this oh for goodness sake and now there's this other son you know it's kind of like at each step jesus is just saying yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make it even weirder you know, I'm going to I'm going to make it harder and harder for you to to do anything other than just stop in your tracks and go. That's amazing. Mm. Um, any other thoughts as we've been bouncing around that we want to uh, before we move on to other dimensions of worship? But any any other thoughts in terms of preaching that anyone wants to pick up that? you've either suddenly come to or, or you just haven't had an opportunity to to throw into the pot. Yeah, Robert. Oh, it's just when you said uh, that uh, Jesus sort of ladles it on more and more so that then they say, oh, no, that's amazing. But 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 it occurred to me they might also say, no, 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 no. This is just too much. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got to be, you can't come here saying that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, which of course is what resulted, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Rachel. And that too muchness is often our response, isn't it, to 
two gods but it's all too much um yeah. we can't quite accept um you know going back to to last week's readings we can't accept all this free food um you yeah. know there's a lot that we can't yeah. accept about the generosity um and the wideness of god's love and mercy mm. Mm. absolutely absolutely um I mean, I guess one of the things that also um, I think is there in all of them um, is, is uh, I mean, just in case anyone is still thinking, yeah, I don't know, that's not, I, I haven't found the theme yet. Um, there, is, there is a lovely theme of newness. I mean, newness is happening all over the place. You know, there's the newness of... Um, the, the, the Israelites have been used to operating in the wilderness with manna that only lasts for a day. And if they try and hoard it, then it goes bad, except for the Sabbath. And, but, but there's a little snippet in that Joshua text that says, actually, this is, when, this is where manna stops. Mm. And uh, you're in a new place now. And you're in a place that is a land of milk and honey and, and, and so on. You know, in the psalm, there's the newness that comes for the psalmist when, when the psalmist says, actually, I've just got to confess. I, I've just got to say sorry. And, and that's what unlocks, not just unlocks the relationship with God, but I think unlocks something deep inside the psalmist. Yeah. yeah. You know, in, 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 in 2 Corinthians, of course, it's the new creation. And as we've been talking about for the, for the prodigal story, it's very interesting you know there's newness all over the place but it's as 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 you've highlighted it's not entirely i mean jesus leaves it very open-ended you know do they go on and live a new and happy and reconciled life or don't they um very very interesting stuff um so there we go rich uh, oh sorry henriette yeah, it's just because um, you were saying uh, again about that open ending and and maybe it is even okay to highlight that because many of us actually do have experience of uh, quite a um, complex family life. You know, not all families mm. are as cute and happy as some other families. You know, we know that some of us here have fantastic family lives, but... But a lot of people do experience that, that, you know, something that was supposed to be good, the younger brother coming home again, actually causes rifts in families. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps there is even that way of highlighting that. And still, God loves us all, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And as you're saying that, Henrietta, I'm also, my mind goes, oh, sorry, yeah, no, you go first. Oh, no, no, it, it, well, it, it, this is another point, and it's uh, that you, you mentioned um, the psalmist who says he acknowledges his sin to you. And, and then I always, there's always the comment with the, the Psalms of David that he has to get sort of um, something else in at the end, you know, many of the torments of the wicked. But, but I acknowledge my sin. And I, I, and I think, is that, and the whole thing about, was the prodigal son really, uh, did he really own up and come home, or was it all manipulation? And I think that, is that something about us, that we can't accept 
that yeah. somebody would really change. Right. Uh, and so we can't accept that God's grace should be available because nobody, re- you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. What, what are the other things? But if somebody's bad, you know, they're always, do you know that? Yeah. Something about that. Yeah, that's been there. I mean, the final the thing, I'm sorry, no, go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, leopard can't change its spots. Is the it. one. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that was just striking me as, as, as you were talking is, um, yeah, I mean, pastorally, I just think of um, some of the conversations I've had with some families in the run-up to doing a funeral. And actually what you're negotiating and navigating is the fact that there was not a reconciliation. And, and now, there, now there can't be. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, in, in, in terms of how this text will be heard in a congregation and how it will resonate across the pastoral life of a congregation, um, there's something maybe also in there about, um, well, maybe, maybe almost the powerful element of Jesus introducing that elder brother, you know, kind of standing with his arms crossed grumpily outside is, is, is there is a, there is a very powerful truth in that, that actually reconciliation in family life is, is far from straightforward. And, um, in a in a certain commentary that I was reading, um, that obviously Henriette didn't read this time, uh, and and she and I are going to need to stop talking about this commentary every time we do these things. <laughs> um, but there was a there was a lovely little um, piece in it um, about uh, Brother Roger of Teze and um, how he was dwelling on not least these sorts of texts in the creation of Teze and saying, you know, the division of the church is, is like this broken family and it's a scandal and it should scandalize us. And, you know, so that's a, that's another whole set of themes is, is, you know, actually within congregations, but between churches, um, how often are we as denominations and different traditions, how often are we kind of playing out the older brother saying, well, you know, that lot over there, honestly, there's no way God can welcome them in. Yeah. And, and it goes on, doesn't it? You know, um, people whose sexuality doesn't fit in with whatever we want it to fit in with or their gender and sense of where they are in, in, in terms of, of, of gender and, and or singleness or having children, not having children, you know, I mean, it's endless. And, and yet here's a passage that says, yeah, but God is throwing his arms round. Get over it. <laughs> uh-huh. although uh, maybe that's not what he said yeah but he does say to this older brother he was dead now he's alive how how can you not rejoice mm. yeah anyway uh we we do need to move on because there is there is apparently other stuff that goes on in worship other than us being able to preach so uh let's run uh, around again and um robert were there other things that you were going to bring to worship 
Um, well, in, in my habit of uh, getting people to talk, <laughs> uh, I, I did wonder about asking people to think about how we treat those who make mistakes, who get things wrong. What, what is our attitude? But, but I think what we've just been talking about makes me realise that that's, that would be very hard for people to do. Um, I mean, it might be worth a try. I was also thinking about, um, I mean, I am on uh, prodigal son sort of territory very much, but uh, things that, um, ways it's been used in, in, in literature. There's apparently, there's a book by, a short story by Henry James called The Jolly Corner, where the main character has a terrifying encounter with his alter ego, a representative of the person he would have been had he not left home. And I, I thought about the film A Wonderful Life, where James Stewart sees how life would have been if he hadn't been, you know, that sort of so so if if he sort of not behaved sort of thing or gone off his own way. So I'm going off my book. Uh picture Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal. Do you want me to show it or do you know where it oh I'll see if I can do a share? No, screen. show it. You found it, so you need to show it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Got it? There he is. Yeah. Yep. I, I thought, well, obviously, you know, that's um, the son in his father's arms. The other son hasn't quite got his arms folded, but it's a very closed, and that speaks to everything we've been talking about, is, no, I'm not going to forgive um, on my terms. I'm not sure. Uh, and and I, I just thought that might, that might be helpful image uh, but uh, but i'm aware there are a lot probably lots of other images as well which may speak um equally well about it but i, I thought that that might be uh, worth doing so yeah asking the well I, I think in my thought about what i was going to preach i it, there might be some way of trying to get the people to put themselves in each character's place and whether you could do some exercise where you ask different groups to imagine though i've done somebody's done that hasn't they where they get different groups in the church to say you were the prodigals you discuss how you felt you were the father you discuss how you felt you were the older brother you discuss how you felt you could ask somebody to imagine they were the mother or a group and then you do like a, a television interview and and mm -hmm. talk to them and ask them how they respond. I, I thought doing something like that might open it up. Yep, yep. Brilliant, lovely. Thank you. Rachel, what sorts of things might you be bringing in? Well, it's funny because I was going to do exactly what <clears throat> Robert has said. I've, I've, I've done it before where I've had, I think we did it at, at spring school a few years ago, actually, with different um, stories, but, um, get people into into a group so that they are a particular character, but they have to talk to each other as that character. It's not, well, you know, the son must have been feeling like this. It's, well, actually, this is how I'm feeling. And somehow owning those feelings opens up things in a different way. Um, so I I would get, get them to do that and then have a conversation kind of across groups. Um, so the, the the older son group are telling the younger son how they feel about him and telling the father how they feel. Um, and I've had I've had the absent mother kind of group as mm. well. Um, and uh, 
so so I, I I would probably try and spend a bit of time doing that doing that kind of thing, but also um, just maybe a time of quiet reflection uh, on our own. Um, you know, where do, where where do we feel far away? Um, is there anything that that you know God is bringing to our minds today? Um, what does reconciliation look like for us? Mm. in any kind mm. of relationships perhaps at the moment so mm. yeah brilliant yeah yeah fantastic robert well it's just a flippant comment about asking people to imagine their imagine they are the characters and then talk to each other might get a bit rowdy yeah <laughs> well rowdy worship i mean why not why not mm. yeah 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 i also yeah. like what she was what what Rachel was saying and um, um, imagine getting people to imagine and thinking about that, that thing that she said about people being between and when you're between, you have to make a decision to move and where might people feel in their lives they were stuck and what, and we might then have a, a time of prayer where we ask God to help us to move. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Rachel. Because I, I was thinking, um, I was talking to someone the, uh, only about a week or so ago, and there, there are lots of time, there are lots of um, occasions in my life where I feel that I'm, I'm the, the person in the middle. So I've got, you know, so and so who's not quite understanding so and so, and I'm the one trying to be the, the person who's understanding everyone. And you know, in church life, oh, so and so's got an issue about this, and so and so's got. A, you know different thing and there I am in the middle again and yeah. um and I really I find it really uncomfortable actually um because it's um it's a thankless place yeah. mm. um and you you're carrying just weight from both sides um so maybe to you know maybe asking people to sort of think to themselves about you know where do they feel that they're just stuck in this middle place yeah. um yeah 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 yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, Henriette, what other dimensions to worship would you be exploring? I think um, maybe Robert or Rachel can come to Plymouth that Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I had uh, I have found a couple of images that I would like to show people just mm. to help them imagine um, but I have also found a beautiful thing from Henry Nouwen, who, of course, uh, did write on the prodigal son. And I thought, so maybe uh, loop the image images that I found, which I will show you in a minute. And then whilst you're reading this, and it says, listen to what God is saying to us. Oh, sorry, let me say that again. Listen to what God is saying to us. You are my child. You are written in the palms of my hand. You are hidden in the shadow of my hand. I have molded you in the secret of the earth. I have knitted you together in your mother's womb. You belong to me. I am yours. You are mine. I have called you from eternity. And you are the one who is held safe and embraced in love from eternity to eternity. You belong to me. And I am holding you safe, and I want you to know that whatever happens to you, I am always there. I was always there, 
I am always there. I always will be there and hold you in my embrace. You are mine. You are my child. You belong to my home. You belong to my intimate life and I will never let you go. I will be faithful to you. So I thought that was just so beautiful. And then um, these are the images, which, um, of course, I also found uh, Yay. Rem Rembrandt van Rijn, we call him. <laughs> um, yes, I love this image. Um, you know, as, as Robert has already said, it, it's, it's just, you know, a beautiful image. I think many people know it. Yeah. And so therefore, I thought, let's just contrast that with some other images. Before, so, you move it, before you move it on, Henriette, does, it, does everyone yeah. know the theory about the two hands? Did you come across that? Uh, is it the, the one, one is one, the mother's? Yeah, so yeah. Rembrandt has painted a male hand and oh, a female yeah. hand. Oh, yeah. This is the yeah. female hand, this is the male hand, yeah. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I mean, I remember now. It's hard to ask Rembrandt if that was the intention. I mean, he might he might say to us, actually, I just made a mistake and I got one of the hands a bit smaller. But I don't think he made mistakes. Well, exactly. You suspect with Rembrandt, <laughs> it's not accidental. Sorry. Anyway, do press on. No, great. I like that to be reminded of that. And especially if we're also bringing in Mothering Sunday, right? That okay. would be really important detail to... Uh, so the rest of the images, I will just go through them quite quickly. So and this these images are then like, you know, how does that look like? A feast when someone comes mm. home or is there again or whatever. Mm. So that was it for me. Those would be, yeah, I mean, just so powerful if they just scrolled through, wouldn't they? Those, those, and, and allows you to do intergenerational and multicultural and all sorts of things. That's a lovely, lovely thought. Robert? I just thought that the the images of people hugging would be extra poignant, uh, considering our current situation when we're not really doing that. Um, Indeed. You know, yeah, so yeah. More valuable. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a very good point. Brilliant. Wow, fantastic stuff. Um, I just had a couple of things to play around with. I mean, I think. Um, I, I wonder how much in our normal Sunday services we make of confession. Um, I mean, I suspect in some congregations it becomes a very big part of things, um, but maybe in others it's something that, you know, happens and then we move on. Given the readings and so on, I, I wondered about, um, for example, using the Psalm 32 and deliberately bringing that into wherever in the worship we're going to have our prayer of confession and um, reading, reading the psalm and um, using the text. Um, and 
you get to that point in verse five, then I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquity. And you could almost just stop and just have silence mm -hmm. and just let that, but let it be a, a real silence. I mean, you know, not a, and then we move on, but actually, oh, hang on, let's, let's, and then move on. Um, so I did, you know, and there would be lots of other ways of using that psalm and indeed using, maybe then using the two Corinthians as, um, as a kind of an absolution or indeed talking about the, you know, the sun being welcomed back in. But I did think that, yeah, there might be a way to build up um, some of what we, we maybe normally do when it comes to um, prayers of confession and, and receiving forgiveness. Uh, but then, I guess inevitably, I also then found myself um, with the delight of Google images and wondering what I would find when I typed in um, prodigal son. Um, there's no end of stuff. Um, but here's a couple that just um, <laughs> I thought were kind of interesting. If I go to that one. Uh, from the beginning. So here's, here's one, um, not one that I knew before uh, the delights of Google image search introduced it to me. Uh, I mean, what's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's partly just an amazing uh, for the colors. I mean, it's just, you know, this is just someone is having a whale of a time, but not least that incredibly dark background, which is kind of reminiscent of the Rembrandt. Um, that kind of sense that actually here's a painting that's saying this is this is the most important thing that's going on and and everything else just vanishes in this moment for these two which in itself is a kind of a powerful thing to think about you know that here's, here's a god who says actually in this moment everything else everything is about you hmm. but i think the other thing that I liked about this one was the way in which the the father is drawing his cloak around yeah. the son. It's it's not just <laughs> I'm going to give you a hug. It's also that you're naked, or at least you're you know you're partially clothed. You're you've come back without anything, and I'm maybe I maybe there's an element there of I'm going to cover up your shame. I'm going to take your shame away. You 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 because of course another thing we haven't touched on is how on earth is the community going to handle this son who's come back? Because they must be thinking all sorts of things about this son. And the father, but it's also the father is kind of literally, because I mean, later in the story, the father says, you know, let's put the great, you know, put fine robes on him. And I think what this artist is doing is saying, actually the fine robe is the father's robe. You know, the father is almost in the process of taking his robe off. And putting it on the sun which i just thought was kind of interesting and then yeah there's then this one very a very modern one um and I, I what i love about this one is you have to kind of look and look again to see where the father and son end and begin mm. you know and 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 there's a wonderful sense of kind of they they are merging into each other and um, 
the colors are, are very similar, the whites and grays, but you get that sense of, of the sort of the screwed up kind of just agony of the sun. But I, I get a sense of also just this, the, the gentleness of the father. Um, uh, just, yeah, just an amazing painting. And, and again, um, with all the caveats that we need to say about copyright and making sure that you're using stuff that you're allowed to use and so on. Um, there's no shortage of um, ways in which we could find ourselves um, sharing images for these for these readings so there we go i don't know if anyone's got anything final they want to say i think we've given these a fairly good oh yeah robert just in response to what rachel said no i'm, I'm not sure it's appropriate to say this here, but i sort of think there might be even more uh in it to, to clean and that's the the thing about being the person between uh, and everybody loading their issues onto you um and i was to i think it was on a bridge builders course that the problem we have as ministers is that when people come up and say i've got this problem with that person we sort of say i'll deal with it for you and we take the burden and what they impressed upon us was it isn't your job to take the burden. It's your job almost to tell them that you won't take the burden, but you will be there with them. And I wondered, there was something about that, the cloak coming round that, remind, um, that reminded me of the, uh, the story of the woman who bled for 12 years. Right. That somebody said on some course that then Jesus turns around and calls her to him and he brings her to the centre. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's been on the edge is brought to the centre. And I saw that. And so it, it, so I think the danger we think is that God's going to solve all our problems. But I think what I'm saying is that it's almost like it's saying, no, I will be there with you. I will encircle you with my love and yeah. my care. Yeah. But it's yeah. not about me doing everything for you. Mm. Okay. Nice point. Mm. Nice point. Yeah, yeah. Very powerful, very powerful. Well, friends, um, we've been exploring uh, where we might find ourselves on this fourth Sunday of Lent. And um, we know that that's a big responsibility. And so because of that, we're going to, as we always do, come to God in a prayer. And Rachel's going to lead us in a prayer. Loving God, we thank you for your overwhelming generous, never-ending love for each one of us. And we pray now that you would bless all who will be leading worship on this Sunday, that you would guide and inspire them, and that through the words that they speak, the hymns that are sung, the spaces, the silence, the talking, the imagery, all that is involved on that day, I pray that through each one of us, those who have gathered for worship would come to know more of your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.